You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports. Here live on this Friday, March the 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. In the house with your boy Trey Larkins on the Wise Guys Sports Show. Everybody remember going follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Come on in and sit away, folks. It's Friday. Come on and join your boy Trey Larkins on the Wise Guys Sports Show on your afternoon drive home for the weekend. So, so happy to be in the house. Got some big-time topics tonight. I'm going to talk about Damian Lillard's comments about how much emphasis we put on championships in the NBA. Also, later on in the show, I'm going to talk about NBA MVP. Who is my current NBA MVP right now? Call to the show. Is it Joker? Is it Giannis? Or is it Embiid? I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on as well. Also, the Las Vegas Raiders, they brought in Jimmy Garoppolo in free agency. Jimmy G is headed to Sin City. Jimmy Garoppolo and the Raiders agreed to a three-year $65.5 million new deal. So are the Raiders better now with Jimmy G than what they were when they had Derek Carr? So I'm going to break that down as well. The number to dial, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Any particular topic you want to discuss on this afternoon's show, you could definitely call in. And we can talk about it on the show this afternoon. But we begin in the NFL with Aaron Rodgers. As Aaron Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show. And he talked about how he intends to play for the New York Jets. He had a lot of different things that he said in this interview with Pat McAfee. So take a listen. I got to admit, I went in the darkness, 90% retiring, 10% pulling. That's where my, my mind was. I think since Friday, uh, I made it clear that my intention was to play, and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And I haven't been holding anything up at this point. It's been compensation that the Packers are trying to get uh, for me and kind of digging their heels in. So I would just... Uh, I think it is interesting at this point to step back and look at the whole picture. Um, you know, my side, love and appreciation, gratitude for everything that Green Bay has done for me. Love, so much love and gratitude and just heart open for the Packer fans yeah. and what it meant to be their quarterback. And also the reality of the situation, you know, like it is what it is. The Packers would like to move on. They've let me know that in so many words. They let, they've let other people know that in direct words. Um and because I still have that fire and I, I, and I want to play and I would like to play in New York, uh, it's just a matter of um, 
you know, getting that done at this point. That was Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show a few days ago, explaining how his intention is to play for the New York Jets. So as I listened to Aaron Rodgers interview on the Pat McAfee show, I had a few different takeaways. One of my takeaways from the interview that Aaron Rodgers had on the Pat McAfee show was I thought Aaron Rodgers was inconsistent in some of the things that he said. One of the things that I thought he was inconsistent about was he said at the end of the season, when the Packers lost to the Detroit Lions at Lambeau Field in week 18 in the season finale with an opportunity to go to the playoffs in that after that game, he said that the Packers organization, they gave him the impression that they wanted him back in Green Bay. Basically, they told him, take all the time that you need, you know, whatever you want to do, we're here for you. We, we want to bring you back. Take all the time that you need. And then basically, as he continued to talk in the interview, he said that there were times throughout the season where he felt like the organization was ready to move on. So I thought that was kind of contradicting, and he was on two sides of the fence there because on one hand, he said at the end of the season that they told him that they wanted him back, but during the season, he got the feeling like they didn't want him back and that this was basically the last dance for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I thought that it, 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 it didn't make any sense. And when and the thing is, when he's on the Pat McAfee show, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is, is gaining profit from the Pat McAfee show or if Pat McAfee has some type of, you know, understanding with Aaron Rodgers, like, hey, I'm trying to get my subscribers up. I'm trying to get my listeners up. You know, I think Pat McAfee does a great job hosting the Pat McAfee show. And I think A.J. Hawk and those other guys do a tremendous job hosting the Pat McAfee show. But I believe that Aaron Rodgers, him making his appearances on the Pat McAfee show, I believe that maybe they have an understanding or an agreement or something that Aaron Rodgers is, is getting back. I don't know. But I think Aaron Rodgers, when he's on the Pat McAfee show, I don't believe that Pat McAfee or A.J. Hawk, they don't really challenge Aaron Rodgers on some of the things that he says. And if he was on a show where they were listening clearly to what he's saying, if someone was listening during his interview, they would have asked Aaron, hey, that's a little inconsistent on what you said, Aaron. You said at the end of the season they wanted you back. Then you also said that during the regular season, there were times where you felt like they no longer wanted you back in Green Bay. So which is it? Do they want you back or do they not want you back? That was something that I thought was inconsistent in what Aaron Rodgers was saying. I also felt like listening to him say when he went into the darkness that he was 90% retired, and then he came out of the darkness, and he heard that the Packers were ready to move on from him. To me, I believe that Aaron Rodgers, to his heart and in his heart, really wants to still be a Green Bay Packer. The only reason why Aaron Rodgers is saying his intention is to play for the New York Jets is because the Packers are ready to break up with Aaron Rodgers 
not Aaron Rodgers wanting to break up with the Packers. See, I think this is one of those situations where if you're in a relationship and it's been toxic, you want to be the one to leave the relationship. You And I think that's Aaron Rodgers in this. In this. He wants the, the Packers and the perception to be, hey, they gave up on me. They were done with me. I wanted to retire a Packer. I wanted to spend my entire career in Green Bay. But Aaron Rodgers basically, you know, he wants it to be on the Packers. He wants he wants it he wants them to take the blame for the relationship being over and him not retiring a Packer. And so I I, I just thought how it was kind of funny how he said he was 90% retired when he went into the darkness and he came out of the darkness. And once he heard that the Packers were ready to move on from him, then all of a sudden he's ready to play football again. All of a sudden now you want to play football again. You were, you were retired when you went into the darkness. Now all of a sudden you're ready to play again. Now you're ready to put on that uniform and play football again. That doesn't make any sense. But also, I never really believed in Aaron Rodgers retiring ever. I never believed in the fact that he was going to ever retire because he has $60 million that he's going to get paid this year. So given the fact that he's going to get paid a lot of money, Aaron Rodgers was never considering retirement. I, I, I never buy into this idea that he was going to retire. I never once bought into this idea that he was going to walk away from all that money and retire. Also, I didn't buy into the idea of him retiring because he doesn't want to share his Hall of Fame night with Tom Brady. That's another reason why I never bought into this idea that he was going to retire. The money and the fact that he doesn't want to have to share the spotlight with Tom Brady when Tom Brady, you know, has his Hall of Fame induction and has his moment. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to share that night with Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers wants that night for himself. So those are two reasons why I never bought into the idea of Aaron Rodgers ever considering retirement. But again, for me, you went into the darkness 90% retired. This is his words. You went into the darkness 90% retired, and then you came out, and when you found out the Packers wanted to move on from you, all of a sudden, now you want to play football again. All of a sudden, now you, you have this revitalized and motivation to want to play again. Like, that makes no sense. I just think the fact that the Packers wanted to move on from Aaron Rodgers, I think that... That's something that he is having a hard time accepting. He wanted to be the reason why the relationship came to an end, whether that's retirement or whether that's him going to play for another team. He never really, I don't think he really genuinely wants to play for the Jets. If, I, if I'm the Jets and if I'm a fan of the Jets and I know this guy was 90% retired at one point during the offseason. And I'm supposed to believe all of a sudden that you're going to show up in New York, be committed, and help the young receivers and be a leader for this football team and contend for a Super Bowl? I wouldn't buy it if I was a Jets fan. I wouldn't buy it. I think Jets fans are so desperate because they haven't been to a Super Bowl since 1968, ain't been to the playoffs since 2010, the longest drought in the NFL. So they're desperate for Aaron Rodgers at this point. Jimmy Garoppolo is on the Las Vegas 
Raiders. Derek Carr is the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. So the Jets at this moment are desperate. So they have to buy into this idea that Aaron Rodgers is bought in and ready to contend for a Super Bowl, and I'm not buying into that idea considering this man told us that he was 90% retired before the darkness retreat. So I believe that Aaron Rodgers still wants to be a Packer, but his pride and ego won't allow him to say that because the Packers have already told multiple reporters and analysts and people that they want to move on from Aaron Rodgers and they want to see what Jordan Love can be. And let's, let's be clear about the relationship between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. This relationship was over once the Packers moved up in the draft and selected Jordan Love. When they selected Aaron Rodgers' replacement and brought in Jordan Love, this relationship was headed for divorce. Now, in between... They had some happy moments. It's like any kind of couple that's in a marriage or relationship. You're in a toxic relationship, but you have happy moments in the mix of that relationship. And the happy moments for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers was Aaron Rodgers won back-to-back NFL MVPs. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers had back-to-back seasons where they were a top-two seed in the NFC. They hosted home playoff games. So they had some moments in this toxic relationship where they both were happy. But once the Packers decided to draft Jordan Love, the relationship was headed for divorce. And this was the inevitable. And as a Packers fan, I knew that this was something that I had to accept and was going to happen at some point. But that's why after the season, I said I had reached my breaking point because I was ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers. And then Aaron Rodgers, last year, he didn't have a great season. You look at what Aaron Rodgers did last year. His passer rating was 91.1. That was ranked 16th in the NFL amongst quarterbacks. He had zero 300-yard passing games. That was tied for last. He averaged 217 passing yards per game. That was ranked 19th in the NFL. He had 12 interceptions. That was tied for seventh most in the NFL. This ranks among 33 qualifying quarterbacks. So he had one of his worst seasons statistically of his career. And I didn't like the fact that he didn't, go to the off-season program and develop chemistry with his young receivers in Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. You know you just lost a star receiver in Devontae Adams. So you know in order for the Packers' offense to flow at a high level, you have to develop chemistry with your young receiving core in Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. And Aaron Rodgers wasn't committed in the offseason, to the Packers. And honestly, now that he says he wants to be a Jet, if you are the New York Jets, and 
out like you look, you know what your team is trying to go. I believe that Aaron Rodgers will make the New York Jets better. I believe that Aaron Rodgers potentially will make the Jets a playoff contender. But I'm not ready to say that the Jets will be a Super Bowl contender in the AFC, considering you have to go through Joe Burrow. You got to go through Justin Herbert. You got to go through Patrick Mahomes. You're going to have to go through Tua and Josh Allen in the AFC East alone. So do I believe the Jets will be better if Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback next season? Absolutely. Do I believe that the Jets are Super Bowl contenders in the AFC? I do not believe that they are Super Bowl contenders in the AFC. But I do like the Jets' skill position players. They got rookie offensive player of the year in Garrett Wilson. He's only 22. They got Elijah Moore. He's another receiver on their depth chart. He's only 22. They got Corey Davis. They got Brees Hall, who was having a sensational season before his season-ending injury. And they still got C.J. Uzama at tight end. So the Jets have great skill position players. Now, the offensive line is going to be an issue for the Jets. So they got to try to basically fix their offensive line before the season starts. But I like their skill position players. I really, really do. Defensively, you still got Sauce Gardner. I think Sauce Gardner will be the best DB in the NFL. I'll probably say either this year or for sure next year. That's how great Sauce Gardner is. And Sauce Gardner is a UC alumni. Shout out to Sauce Gardner. I love Sauce Gardner. But you got Sauce Gardner on defense. They just picked up Chuck Clark from the Ravens. Okay, you got C.J. Mosley at linebacker. Up front, you got Solomon Thomas, Quentin Williams, who had a great season last year, Carl Lawson as well. So I like the Jets' team, but I don't believe that there's two world contenders. And in the AFC East, the Dolphins and the Bills are both good football teams who made the playoffs last year. If the Dolphins had Tua last year in the playoffs, they could have beaten Josh Allen in the Buffalo Bills in the wild card round of the playoffs. So I can't even say that the Jets are better than the Dolphins or the Bills. Maybe. I do still think that Aaron Rodgers is an elite quarterback. I want to be very, very clear about what I'm saying. I, I don't believe that Aaron Rodgers is washed. I still believe Aaron Rodgers can play. But I'm not sh so sure that Aaron Rodgers is going to be enough to push the Jets over the top in the AFC. The competition is steep. And I said from jump that in order for Aaron Rodgers to get back to his Super Bowl, I believe he has a better chance at reaching another Super Bowl in the NFC compared to what he has to do in the AFC. So, like I said, I, I listened to the, the entire interview, and there were things that I had questions about that he had said. And for me, like I said, I thought there were some inconsistencies on his part when it comes to the Packers and whether or not they wanted him back. He said at the end of the season they wanted him back. And then he also said during the season there were times that he thought and felt as if they didn't want him back. And then he said he went into the darkness 90% retired. But all of a sudden, when he found out the Packers no longer wanted him in Green Bay, all of a sudden now he wants to play football again. What? 
So, I mean, this is a guy who 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 basically you motivate Aaron Rodgers when you slight him. Like when the Packers drafted Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers won back to back NFL MVPs. Back to back NFL MVPs. So he does play motivated if he feels disrespected. So maybe if you're the Jets and you're looking for a silver lining here, maybe because Aaron Rodgers feels disrespected because the Packers have decided to move on from him, maybe they'll get a motivated Aaron Rodgers the same way the Packers fans got a motivated Aaron Rodgers in the 2021 and the 2022 season. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Let me show you to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. I said that Aaron Rodgers had his MVP seasons in 2022 and 2021. It was actually 2020 and 2021. Maybe the Jets fans can look forward to him being motivated because he feels disrespected by the Packers. Because I know... Packer fans, we benefited from Aaron Rodgers being upset and he felt disrespected by the Packers. We benefited in a big way in 2020 and 2021, for sure. He 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 had a great great season in 2020 and 2021. I think 2020, the man had 48 touchdowns, five interceptions, I believe. And in 2021, he had 37 touchdowns. And four interceptions. Four interceptions. So, him being and feeling slighted and disrespected by the Packers organization for drafting Jordan Love led to him winning two more NFL MVPs. And remember, in those seasons, the Packers, the one year they got to the NFC Championship game against the Buccaneers, and they lost. And then they got to the division round of the playoffs and lost to the 49ers at home in a game where the Packers defense didn't give up a single touchdown. Packers defense didn't give up a single touchdown in the playoffs that year, and Aaron Rodgers couldn't get that done. But he had a great season that year. He he had two great seasons during the regular season of 2020 and 2021. Let's transition to the NBA And let's talk about Ja Morant. The NBA suspended Ja Morant for eight games without pay for conduct detrimental to the league. This is a suspension where Ja Morant has already missed six games, I believe. And he can return back to the floor Monday for the Grizzlies. And this was... 
NBA Commissioner Adam Silver on John Morant. He said, quote, Ja's conduct was irresponsible, reckless, and potentially very dangerous. It also has serious consequences given his enormous following and influence. Particularly among young fans who look up to him, he has expressed sincere contrition and remorse for his behavior. That was NBA Commissioner Adam Silver on Ja Morant. And Ja Morant did an interview recently with Jalen Rose. And Morant, one of his quotes in the interview, he says, quote, I'm going to show everybody who Ja Morant is, what I'm about, and change the narrative. So my biggest takeaway from Ja Morant's interview with Jalen Rose was, I do believe that John Morant is on the same page and understands where he went wrong recently. I do believe that John Morant showed contrition in this interview with Jalen Rose, and he understands where he went wrong in this situation. I do believe it. I believe that he understands his issue, and I believe that he has been accountable for his actions that took place with having the gun in the video on Instagram that was live and other things that he was a part of. Cause there was a lot of different situations that Moran has found himself in. He was involved in an incident with the Indiana Pacers where after the game, I guess there were Pacers players and people in that organization that said that they saw a red laser pointed in their direction. It was coming from a car that, John ja Morant was allegedly in. He had the incident with the 17-year-old where John ja Morant and the 17-year-old, they, they got into a disagreement. They were obviously they were playing basketball, and they got into a disagreement. And allegedly, Morant went, got a gun, had it in his waistband, and he had beat up the 17-year-old kid, had that incident. And then he had an incident as well where he had a volleyball tournament that he went to, and he had to, I guess he went there, and his sister was involved in a situation. There are different situations that John Morant has had himself in, and I believe that he understands now that he has to move a certain way, and I believe that he's showing accountability during this interview with Jalen Rose. But for me, I need to see John Morant moving forward and see the changes that he knows he needs to make, I need to see it moving forward. I'm a big believer in that the best apology is change behavior. I believe that when, it, when you have a problem or you have an issue, the number one thing to do and the first thing you have to do is be accountable for it. Because some people got issues and they got shortcomings and they have addictions that they don't even want to be accountable for. You got to be accountable for your issue, number one. That's the first thing. If you can't be accountable, you ain't even close to fixing the problem. You got to be accountable. If you're an alcoholic and you know you drink, be accountable for it. Acknowledge that I have a problem. And then you can seek help to fix the problem. But the number one goal and and one of the things that you have to do when you know you have an issue, you have to acknowledge that issue. 
I believe that John Morant has completed that step. Now we got to see some change behavior. We have to see that John Morant is now going to carry himself the right way and conduct himself the right way because he's an ambassador for the NBA. John Morant, next season, he has a new contract. It's a five-year contract, $231 million. John Morant's supposed to get paid. So the Memphis Grizzlies are paying John Morant a lot of money. He's the face of that organization. And I believe that at some point in the near future, he's going to be the best American player in the NBA. We got a lot of players that are from other countries that are very good in the NBA. Giannis, the Joker, okay? But I believe that moving forward, John Morant could be the best American player in the NBA. At some point, LeBron James is going to retire. At some point, LeBron is going to retire. So I believe that John Morant, considering who he is and what he means to the Memphis Grizzlies organization, what he means to the NBA, I believe that John Morant has to understand that you have to carry yourself a certain way and move a certain way. And people around you, if they're going to be in your inner circle, Ja, they also have to move a certain way. You don't want to be bringing attention to yourself, Ja. You don't want to have to bring attention to yourself and, 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 and be in the news for all the wrong reasons. You don't want to do it. Now, I do understand, too, that John Morant is only 23 years old. And when I was 23 years old, I did some terrible things and made some mistakes as well. I was definitely, definitely immature. So at 23, having the money that he has and the power that he has, I understand that he's going to make mistakes. And I understand that it's some things that you don't quite understand at 23 that you may understand when you're 32 like myself. Like I'm 32 years old now. So I understand things different now compared to what I did when I was 23. When I was 23, it was things that I did and decisions that I made that I regret. But I understand that I had to go through those things to, to have the level of maturity that I have now. And I think Morant being suspended eight games and having basketball taken away from him, I believe that, honestly, it was the best thing that could have happened to John Morant because now he got humbled. You see, when you get your basketball taken away from you, you get humbled real quick. And so I'm excited to see John Morant moving forward and, his, and him being able to conduct himself the right way. And I'm excited for the Memphis Grizzlies as a basketball team because I think if John Morant is playing and he's healthy, I look at the Memphis Grizzlies, they got Desmond Bain. They got Dylan Brooks. They got Jackson as well. I believe that right alongside the Clippers, the Warriors, the Nuggets, you can include the Memphis Grizzlies in the championship contender conversation with those other teams if they have their star point guard in John Morant. So I'm excited to see John Morant moving forward, and I'm excited for him to be back on the basketball court. I really, really am. Again, he's eligible to return possibly Monday against the Dallas Mavericks, but he's probably 
going to play the game after that one because he's asked to get in shape and stuff like that. But I'm excited because now the Memphis Grizzlies can get Ja back, and now they can go on a real run in the NBA playoffs. There's no juggernaut in the Western Conference. All these teams, the Suns, the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Warriors, all these teams are evenly matched during the regular season. And, they, and I know the standings say the Nuggets are the number one seed in the Western Conference, but the Nuggets are not a juggernaut. They lost to the Spurs a few days ago. So I'm excited to see John Morant back into the lineup and back playing basketball and doing what he loves to do. And I just hope that he, he learned his lesson from this. And moving forward, he can make better decisions. He can make better decisions. So that's my thoughts on it. And that's how I feel about the Ja Morant situation. Everybody, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Any particular topic that you want to discuss, we can talk about it on the show. Talk some NBA. Who's your current NBA MVP? Who you got right now? Call it to the show, 513-203-8655. Do you got Giannis? Do you got Joel and B? Or do you got Nikola Jokic? Who do you have right now as your current NBA MVP? Let's transition back to the NFL. And let's talk about the Las Vegas Raiders as Jimmy Garoppolo is Vegas bound. He's headed to Sin City as the Raiders and Jimmy G have agreed on a three-year, $65.5 million new deal with $34 million in guarantees for Jimmy G. So I saw the Raiders sign Jimmy Garoppolo and Obviously, you got your shows like Undisputed. You got First Take. You got First Things First on FS1. So many great sports shows out there on so many great networks. But one of the shows specifically, and I'm going to call them out tonight, they were talking about Jimmy Garoppolo and comparing him to Derek Carr. And I was listening to Undisputed with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. And I love Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. They do a great job with undisputed I, I love their chemistry on undisputed been doing it for a very long time and skip bayless is a is a great journalist shannon sharp is a great great sports analyst now and he was a great player in his prime when he won super bowls with the denver broncos and i love his football knowledge shannon sharp has forgotten more football than i know but as much as I love my man Shannon Sharp, there was something that he said on Undisputed this week that I have to challenge 
on my show tonight. They were comparing Jimmy Garoppolo to Derek Carr. And Shannon said that Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Derek Carr, and he believes that the Raiders have upgraded with Jimmy G over Derek Carr. And while I agree with Shannon Sharp about Jimmy Garoppolo having a great win percentage as a starting quarterback, because Jimmy Garoppolo, while he was a starter in San Francisco, they won a lot of games. Jimmy Garoppolo, this is minimal 10 starts since 2016. Jimmy Garoppolo has the fourth best win percentage by a starting quarterback in the NFL. Only Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Tom Brady have had a better winning percentage as a quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. Since 2016, Jimmy Garoppolo, he is 40 and 17 as a starter in the NFL for the 49ers as their quarterback. And in the postseason, his record is impressive. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's four and two in the playoffs with the 49ers. But this is where I disagree a hundred percent with Shannon Sharp and anyone else out there who believes that. Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Derek Carr. Derek Carr, for his career, you look at what Derek Carr has been able to do in Las Vegas, but he was also previously in Oakland. This is Derek Carr with the Raiders. Derek Carr, he has 35,222 passing yards. And... He's the franchise leader in passing yards, and also he's the franchise leader in touchdowns. Derek Carr, for his career, 217 touchdown passes, 99 interceptions. Again, 35,222 passing yards. And for his career, he's completed 65% of his passes. But has Derek Carr ever had the supporting cast? with the Raiders, like the supporting cast that Jimmy Garoppolo had with the 49ers? That's where I would challenge Shannon and many other people. You look at those 49ers defenses. The 49ers defenses have been the top in the NFL. The, the 49ers, over the last few years, from top to bottom, the 49ers, from a roster standpoint and all complete 53 men on their roster, the 49ers have arguably the best roster in the NFL. And that defense in San Francisco is significantly better than the defense that Derek Carr had this previous season in Las Vegas. Defensively, the 49ers are always one of the best defenses in the NFL. Let's go to head coach. Jimmy Garoppolo has had the luxury of being coached by Kyle Shanahan. With the Raiders, Derek Carr, in that organization, it's been so much dysfunction. So many different coaches have come in and out of that organization who's coached Derek Carr. Where is the stability far as head coach for Derek Carr? Where is it? I, I can't, I, I, 
Jimmy Garoppolo had the luxury of being coached by Bill Belichick and the luxury of being coached by Kyle Shanahan. Derek Carr, in his first season under Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels decides to let him go before the season was even over. But Derek Carr had to play under numerous coaches before Josh McDaniels. He had to play under Hugh Jackson. He had to play under John Gruden. So he's never had the stability as far as having a great head coach who can develop chemistry with him in that organization with the Raiders the way that Jimmy Garoppolo had with the 49ers organization. And, again, when I look at the defenses for the two teams, the best defensive player that the Raiders had at one point was Khalil Mack. And what did the Raiders do? They traded Khalil Mack to the Bears. Traded him to the Bears. You already struggled defensively, and yet you're going to trade your best defensive player to the Bears? Made no sense. You look at the 49ers defense. The 49ers, they got Nick Bosa. They got Armstead up front. They got Fred Warner at linebacker. And they got one of the best defenses in the NFL. And that was the reason why the 49ers got to the Super Bowl a few years ago. Remember the NFC Championship game? I remember it too well. The championship game against the Packers. Jimmy Garoppolo had eight pass attempts. Eight pass attempts, and the 49ers blew out the Packers. If that ain't great defense and a great supporting cast around you, I don't know what is. I understand when you look at Derek Carr, Derek Carr can be inconsistent. I'm not making the argument that Derek Carr is a great quarterback, like a Mahomes, like a Josh Allen, like a Joe Burrow, or Justin Herbert, or even a Trevor Lawrence. That's not who Derek Carr is. But I do believe that Derek Carr is on the same level as a Dak Prescott, as a Kirk Cousins. And I don't believe that Jimmy Garoppolo is as good as Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, and Dak Prescott is. I think Jimmy Garoppolo needs everything around him in order to be successful. He needs everything around him to go right and be in place for him to be successful. And when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, yes, he's been in the playoffs and he's 4-2 and two in the playoffs, but statistically, he's been awful in the postseason. Jimmy Garoppolo averages 160 passing yards per game. He has a Four to six touchdown to interception ratio in the postseason. His passer rating is 74.1. And in the fourth quarter of all six playoff starts, Jimmy Garoppolo, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. His passer rating is 28.0. And I know Derek Carr has only been to the playoffs once in his career. And that was the game where the Bengals beat the Raiders. But the Bengals had a more superior team than the Raiders did. And that was a year when Derek Carr completely drugged the Raiders to the playoffs, drugged them to the playoffs. That was the year when John Gruden got fired. Henry Ruggs had the tragic incident in Las Vegas. And Derek Carr, in that moment, that season, showed great, not good, great leadership in that Raiders organization. 
They snuck into the playoffs that year. And that year, Derek Carr had 23 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, averaged 283 passing yards per game, completing 68% of his passes. They were 10 and 7 that year. Now, this last year, he did, from a team record standpoint, have a, he took a step back. This past year, he had 24 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, averaged 235 total passing yards per game, completing 61% of his passes, and went 6-9. So from a completion percentage standpoint and win-loss standpoint, he took a step back. And then he also had more passing yards in 2021 than he did in 2022. But Derek Carr has had so much turnover in that Raiders organization that Jimmy G never had to deal with in San Francisco. Never. And now you look at you look at, you can look at Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek Carr in their career. Jimmy Garoppolo, 40 and 17 as a starter. Derek Carr is 63 and 79. But again, supporting cast and your situation around you matters. So I believe that that's the reason why Jimmy Garoppolo has a better record as a quarterback than Derek Carr does. Now, here's the thing, too. I'm going to say this because I, I believe, remember, in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, the game in which the 49ers had a 20-10 to 10 lead going into the fourth quarter. There was a play in that game where Jimmy Garoppolo had Emmanuel Sanders open for a touchdown that would have sealed the game for the 49ers. They would have been in the driver's seat and they would have had the lead over Mahomes and the Chiefs late in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. And Jimmy G could not connect with Emmanuel Sanders. I personally believe that Derek Carr makes that throw. He makes that throw. Now let's go back to the comparison, shall we? Jimmy Garoppolo completes a higher completion percentage. He completes 68% of his passes. Derek Carr completes 65% of his passes. Jimmy Garoppolo averages 8.3 passing yards per attempt. Derek Carr averages 7.1 passing yards per attempt. Jimmy Garoppolo has five passing touchdown percentage. Derek Carr has 4.4. And obviously, Derek Carr doesn't have any playoff wins on his resume. And Jimmy Garoppolo has four. But this is a prime example of football being the ultimate team game. Because I believe as an individual player, Derek Carr is better than Jimmy Garoppolo is. He's better. He's a better player than Jimmy G is. But I believe that in football, and at, when we talk about quarterbacks, people really, really take wins and losses by a quarterback, and they believe that that will make a quarterback who has a great win-loss percentage, they'll believe that that'll make him better than another quarterback who doesn't have a great win-loss percentage. And I'm not trying to downplay the importance of being able to win football games, but there are certain things when you watch quarterbacks play and you can tell that a certain quarterback's skill set is better than another quarterback's skill set. I'm a Packers fan. We can't beat the 49ers to save our lives in the playoffs. The 49ers have the Packers number in the postseason. But we know good and damn well that Jimmy Garoppolo has never 
been on the level that Aaron Rodgers is on. Just because a player wins in the NFL does not make him better than another player who loses at the quarterback position. Your weapons around you matter. Your coaches around you matter. The organization around you matters. And it's undeniable that Jimmy Garoppolo has been in a significantly better situation with the 49ers than what Derek Carr has been in with the Raiders. Please stop pretending like the win-loss record is what we're going to determine and base our outcome on who's the better quarterback when we compare quarterbacks. It's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to discuss Damian Lillard's recent comments. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And we should have followed Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Any particular topic that you want to discuss, we can talk about it on the show this afternoon. I want to give a live update real quick on some of these college basketball scores in the NCAA tournament. Pittsburgh is leading Iowa State 46 to 30. A little over five minutes left in that game. Pittsburgh is 11 seed, and the Iowa State basketball team is a six seed. Creighton is up on NC State 56 to 53. A little over five minutes left in that game as well. Go over some of these other scores so far this afternoon. Xavier beat Kennesaw State 72 to 67. Michigan State beat USC 72 to 62. Baylor beat UC Santa Barbara 74 to 56. St. Mary's beat VCU 63 to 51. And Marquette. They beat Vermont 78-61. to 61. So those are some of your scores in the NCAA tournament so far on this Friday. One of the matchups that I'm excited about tonight, uh, I'm excited about this Memphis-Florida Atlantic matchup tonight. 8-9 seed going at it, 9-20 on TNT. So going to be a great matchup as well. And yesterday... It was interesting because Arizona got upset yesterday. I, I couldn't believe it yesterday. Also, the, another upset was Fear Man. They upset Virginia. Fear Man was the 13 seed. Virginia was the four seed. Fear Man beat Virginia 68 67. So that was an upset. Uh, and also, again, the, the biggest one of the day was Princeton upsetting Arizona 59 to 55. Big time upset. I thought Alabama and Houston, they did a did a great job taking care of business. Houston beat Northern Kentucky 
63 to 52. And Alabama beat Texas AM CC 96 to 75. Kansas beat Howard 96 to 68. So it was some interesting matchups in the NCAA tournament so far. I love this time of year. Tournament time, NBA playoffs around the corner. I, I love it. Absolutely love it. But let's transition back to the NBA and let's talk about Damian Lillard. As Damian Lillard was recently on the Old Man and the Three podcast featuring JJ Reddick. And he has some interesting comments on the NBA and the NBA overall. Take a listen. The NBA I play in now is not the NBA that I came into. And I expect it to evolve. Everything is, is constantly changing. But I feel like I play for the love of the game. Like, I, wanna, I want the competition. I want to know what it feels like to win. I want to see my teammates do well. I want to see my teammates get paid. You know, like that don't count. Regular season don't count. Get a ring. You know what I'm saying? Like who? This guy's the MVP. This guy did this. He the first. It's like, bro, what? Like, what is this stuff? Like, what is this? You know what I'm saying? Like, they're asking me about Dame, but like to win a ring, and, and I'm like, bro, I don't need to prove to y'all that I want to win a ring. Why the hell do I play? Like. We cannot keep acting like, while I understand we play to win championships, we all want to win a championship. We can't keep acting like nothing matters, like the rest of the stuff, the journey doesn't matter. We can't keep doing that. I think about it all the time where I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm, if I can just play a long, long time because I don't, I don't enjoy what, what the NBA as a whole is becoming. That was Damian Lillard. Recent comments uh, about the NBA and what the NBA is becoming. Again, this was on the Old Man and the Three podcast featuring my man J.J. Reddick. So my biggest takeaway from what Damian Lillard was saying is I got a lot of respect for Damian Lillard. I believe that Damian Lillard is one of the best guards in NBA history. Damian Lillard for his career. The man averages 25 points per game on 44% shooting from the floor. And I believe that outside of Steph Curry, there is not a better three-point shooter in the NBA. I think he's the second best shooter currently in the NBA. And the man from three-point range, the man shoots 37 percent and for his career Damian Lillard is a seven-time NBA all-star four-time all-NBA second team player he made the all-NBA first team in 2018 he run won NBA rookie of the year in 2013 and he also is a member of the NBA 75th anniversary team I believe without an NBA championship Damian Lillard will be one of the greatest players in NBA history. I think Damian Lillard already is an all-time NBA great, and that is without an NBA championship. I want to be very, very clear about what I'm saying. And I believe that in Portland, I believe that he's the best player on that Portland Trailblazers basketball team, and 
He's been the best player since he's been in the NBA on those teams. And you look at his career, he's only had one opportunity to get to an NBA Finals, like legit. That was the year, I think it was the 2019 Western Conference Finals, where it was Dame, it was CJ versus Steph and Clay, and the Warriors swept the Blazers. And Steph outplayed Dame, and Clay outplayed CJ. And it was mano a mano, Dame and CJ versus Clay and Steph. And Clay and Steph got the better of Dame and CJ. But I believe that was Damian Lillard's only legitimate chance to get to an NBA Finals because he plays for the Portland Trail Blazers. And no one is going to Portland to play basketball. It, it's not New York in Madison Square Garden. It's not Los Angeles and the Staples Center. I know it's crypto.com now, but I still think it's Staples Center. Okay? It, it, it's not even Miami or, or Dallas. It's the Portland Trailblazers. So no one is signing up to play in Portland. Unfortunately, and this is for Dame, like, like, I want to see Dame compete for championships selfishly. I want to see him on a championship contender in a big market like New York with the Knicks or like Los Angeles with the Lakers because I believe Dame is big time. And I believe, and I've been on record saying this, the same way that Kyrie Irving played his role when the Cleveland Cavaliers won their championship in 2016, I believe Damian Lillard could have played a very similar role alongside LeBron and won an NBA championship. I, I've been very, very clear about this, and I've been consistent. And I think that, again, when it comes to point guards, Dame is on the level of a Steph. I think Steph is better than Dame, but I think Dame is the most consistent and he's the best shooter in the NBA outside of Steph Curry. But with all that being said, as much love that I have for Damian Lillard, I disagree with Dame a little bit about the whole championships thing and the importance of it. Because I believe that when you are trying to be an NBA player or trying to be an NFL player or major league baseball player, whatever sport that you play, you want to reach your ultimate goal. And your ultimate goal is to win a championship or a Super Bowl or a Stanley Cup or a World Series. That's your ultimate goal when you play sports. You want to reach the pinnacle. You want to be at the top. And when you're in a market like Portland, fans don't want to hear that championships isn't everything to you when the Portland Trailblazers are paying you all the money that they're paying you. You got to think about it. I look at Portland like I look at Milwaukee and like I look at Cleveland. Those fans of those franchises, when, they, when LeBron won a championship for the Cavaliers and Giannis won a championship for the Bucks, those fans, they were so happy as a fan base and what it did for that region was significant. And so those fans will appreciate LeBron and they will appreciate Giannis forever 
for winning those championships, respectfully, with the Cavs and with the Bucks. No matter what you say about LeBron or Giannis, they both are good in Cleveland and in Milwaukee. So I believe that Dame, he should have that same mentality playing in a city like Portland. Imagine if Damian Lillard won a championship with the Portland Trailblazers. Could you imagine what he would do for his legacy? Again, I believe he's an all-time great, even without an NBA championship. But do you know what he would do for his legacy? If he brought a championship to the city of Portland? And how we would view Dame? Like, from a legacy standpoint, like, it's certain players that Damian Lillard would overlap immediately if he won the championship with the Portland Trailblazers. And again, all championships are not equal. The championships that LeBron won with the Cavs and the championship that Giannis won with the Bucks, I believe that if Dame won a championship with the Trailblazers, it would be on the same level from a significant standpoint as Giannis' championship with the Bucks and LeBron's championship with the Cavs. And again, fans, they are emotionally driven. They want to know that their superstar is all in on capturing an NBA championship. They don't want to hear in a podcast that Dame, you know, that championships isn't everything. They want to know that the championship matters and this is what we want. They want to know that. that that's, what, that's, that's a fan's perspective. But I do understand where Dame is coming from because I do believe that there is such an emphasis on players in the NBA winning championships that we forget about the journey. And I believe that even when you're comparing players, there are certain players who have championships who aren't better than players who never won a championship. And I'm going to give you an example. And I love what I'm about to talk about, but I got to be honest about it. And it's the real. Chris Bosh, before he joined LeBron and D-Wade in Miami, in Toronto, he was a perennial all-star. And he was a good player. But Chris Bosh was never as good as Carmelo Anthony. And when we talk about Melo and his legacy, we always point to Melo never reaching an NBA Finals. Forget about winning the NBA Finals. We always critique Melo, and one of the criticisms I hear from people is Melo never even got to an NBA Finals. And so when you talk about players and you compare players, there are some people just because Chris Bosh has two championships alone, they would say that Chris Bosh is better than Carmelo Anthony. Another player who won championships in his prime, in his day, Scottie Pippen, alongside Michael Jordan. I love Scottie. Scottie's an all-time great. Scottie is one of the greatest small forwards in NBA history. But one of the players in Scotty's era who never won a championship 
was Charles Barkley and even Carl Malone. And both Charles Barkley and Carl Malone are better players than Scottie Pippen. So I understand where Dame is coming from. Like, because there are certain players who didn't win championships who are better than players who actually won championships as an individual player. But because that player has the team accomplishment of a championship, some people will say that he's better than that other individual player, and that's not the case. Also, two, I believe that NBA players, because they know that the media and fans, all they care about is championships, I believe that's why now you see players who load manage during the regular season. They only care about the finish line because they know they're only going to be judged for what happens in April, May, and June. They're not going to be judged about what happens from October to March. They're going to be judged on what happens in April, May, and June. And that's why you see players low manage. That's why you see scores at the end of the night in the NBA that are upsets. We've been seeing upsets all season long. The other night, the Rockets beat the Celtics. The Pacers beat the Bucks because players know I'm going to be judged about how I perform in the postseason not how I perform in the regular season. And I think that's why players also load manage as well. And, and, and they don't play in all 82 games. But, like, I understand 100% where Dame is coming from, but I do think there's another side to it. Like, in fan, I think from a fan's perspective, they don't want to hear that their star player they don't want to hear that he that winning a championship is not his number one priority. Now, again, I know Dane wants to win a championship. I know that that would, he knows that that would validate his career and validate his legacy. But Dane is secure within himself. He's he has he he ain't insecure. He's secure. So Dame is okay with never winning a championship and knowing that he was an all-time great player. He's at peace with knowing I may not never win a championship but I'm going to do it my way. And I respect Dame for that. I respect Dame for doing it his way. Because like Dame said as well, we're going to, if you leave a particular team and you try to go to another team to win a championship and you don't win, you're also going to get killed for that. And then you're also going to get killed if you do win because people are going to say, hey, you went to that juggernaut and won a championship look at what's going on with kevin durant people always discredit kevin durant because kevin durant left oklahoma city went to golden state and joined forces with the golden state warriors and they were already a great team before he came to golden state so people discredit kevin durant and they don't give him the credit that he deserves for those two championships that he won in Golden State. We know good and damn well that Kevin Durant was the best player on those Warriors teams while he was in Golden State. I love Steph. Steph is the greatest shooter in NBA history. He has never been as good of a player that Kevin Durant is. Kevin Durant was the best player on those Warriors teams. But we always discredit Kevin Durant 
because he went to the Warriors and he had to go and team up with Steph Curry, with Klay Thompson, with Draymond Green, with Andre Iguodala to win his two championships. So as an NBA player, you damn if you do, you damn if you don't. So that was also something I took away from this interview with Damian Lillard on the J.J. Reddick podcast as well. So I thought this was a great interview. Go and check it out. Damian Lillard is, is, is a great player, man. When you look at most 60-point games after 30 in NBA history, Wilt Chamberlain has three. Damian Lillard has three as well. He has one more than even the great Kobe Bryant. And he has five 60-point games in his career. So even without an NBA championship, Damian Lillard is one of the greatest players in NBA history. And he doesn't need an NBA championship to validate his greatness for me. But again, I understand both sides of the spectrum when it comes to the championship argument in the NBA. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And we should have followed Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Let's keep it in the NBA. And let's transition to the NBA MVP. The NBA odds to win the NBA MVP recently came out, and Nikola Jokic, he led the way. He was a minus 225. Joel B was plus 220. Giannis was a plus 450. Tatum was a plus 4,000, and Luka Doncic was a plus 8,000. So, when it comes to the NBA MVP, earlier in the season, I believe that the Joker was the NBA MVP. I felt like the Nuggets all season long, they have been the most consistent team in the Western Conference. Right now, they are 47 and 23, and they're the number one seed in the Western Conference. And Joker, for the season, Joker is averaging 25 points per game, 10 assists per game, and 12 rebounds per game on 63% shooting from the floor. And Joker is the best player on that Nuggets basketball team. But I believe that on that Nuggets team, Jamal Murray contributes. Porter Jr. contributes. They got Reggie Jackson now as well. And I like their coach, Mike Malone. So I think that the Nuggets, as a team, have one of the more complete teams in the NBA. And I love Joker. I think Joker is a great player. And I think he's the best all-around player from a big man's perspective in the NBA. I think Joker can do everything. Joker can score. He can shoot perimeter shots. 
and hit perimeter shots. He can rebound. He can pass. I think I don't think there's a better passer in the NBA as far as big men better than Joker. I think he's a better passer than Embiid. He's a better passer than Giannis. He's a tremendous passer of the basketball. I look at Giannis. Giannis so far this year, 32 points per game on 54% shooting from the floor, 12 rebounds per game. That winning streak that Giannis had the Milwaukee Bucks on was impressive. And they are now in position to be the number one seed in the Western Conference with a 50 and 20 record right now. The Bucks have been playing some sensational basketball lately. They seven and three in their last 10 games. And Giannis has definitely, definitely elevated his game to another level. But on that Bucks team, Giannis also has a Chris Middleton. He also has a Drew Holiday. He has a Bobby Portis and Lopez, who's a great rim protector. And Mike Budenholzer is a championship coach who's won an NBA championship. So I like his supporting cast in Milwaukee. And then you look at Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid this year, he's averaging 33 points per game on 54% shooting, 10 rebounds per game, four assists per game. The Philadelphia 76ers are the third seed in the Eastern Conference with a 46-22 and 22 record. So for me right now, my NBA MVP is Joel Embiid. And let me explain why. Number one, I believe that Giannis and Nikola Jokic, they both have better supporting cast around them than what Joel Embiid has in Philadelphia. I, I, I think that in Philly, if Joel Embiid doesn't play well, the Sixers have no chance at being able to win basketball games. If Giannis doesn't play well for the Bucs, maybe Chris Middleton has a good night. Drew Holiday has been having quietly a good season. If the Joker doesn't play well with the Nuggets, Jamal Murray is starting to play better. Porter is also a contributor. I think that they got a good supporting cast in Denver as well. And I like Mike Malone as a head coach. I believe that Joe B, he has the Sixers right now as a third seed in the Eastern Conference. And I think it's an amazing accomplishment. And I believe that I, I believe that over the last, I'll say, three weeks, Embiid has elevated his game, and he's more dominant than Nikola Jokic is. Like, Nikola Jokic, I feel like there's times where I watch Joker, and offensively, he has nights where he's not as aggressive as I would want him to be. I never have that question. With Joel Embiid. I think from a scoring perspective, Joel Embiid is better than Nikola Jokic. I think as a scorer, he's better. I think Jokic is a better all-around player than Joel Embiid is. But I think offensively, from a scorer's perspective, Embiid is better. I also believe that Embiid is a better defensive player than the Joker is. Now, I think Giannis is better than Embiid and the Joker. I want to say that again because for everybody in the back that need to know, 
I believe that Giannis is the best player amongst these three. That's Joe B and Nikola Jokic and Giannis. Giannis is the best amongst the three. And I think you can make an argument that Giannis is the best player, not only when it comes to these three in the MVP race, but the best player in the NBA overall. But if I had to give my selection right now for NBA MVP, I'm giving it to Jordan B over Giannis and the Joker. I would go NB one, Giannis two, and Jokic three. That's my that's my rankings right now as far as NBA MVP. I think what NB when he's what he's done for the Philadelphia 76ers is nothing short of sensational. He's been great. And again, like I like his mentality. The one time this year where Embiid played Jokic, Embiid dominated his matchup against Jokic. Dominated him. And then earlier in the season in Milwaukee, Embiid helped the Sixers snap the Bucks' winning streak. It was the Sixers that ended that winning streak. I can't remember how many games it was, but Embiid beat Giannis in Milwaukee in Giannis's house. So I do believe that Giannis is better than Embiid, but I think Embiid right now is playing the best basketball in the NBA. And also, too, I like the way that Mike Malone utilizes Nikola Jokic in his offense, and I like the way Budenholzer allows the offense in Milwaukee to run through Giannis. That's the one issue that I have with Doc Rivers. He doesn't allow the Sixers offense to run through Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid is his best player. He's his best player. They should, Joel Embiid should not have to play off of James Harden. James Harden should have to play off of Joel Embiid. So that's my opinion on the NBA MVP right now. I got Joel Embiid. I, I think he's finally going to win his first NBA MVP. And I love his mentality. In moments down the stretch in games, Joel Embiid wants the basketball and he wants to prove that he's the best player on the floor when he plays. He never shies away from the moment. Never. And he always plays at a high level from a scoring perspective and, and, and putting up points. And again, I think he's better defensively than, than, than Jokic as well. Now, I think Giannis is better defensively than Embiid and Jokic because Giannis is a tremendous, tremendous rim protector, and it's hard to score on Giannis when you get down in the, in the paint. It really, really is. But I think it's going to be a great race to the finish line when it comes to NBA MVP. And like I said, I think that when it's all said and done, to me, MVP is most valuable player. I believe that the Bucks would still be a playoff contender in the East if you take Giannis off the Bucks, And I believe that if you take Nikola Jokic off the Nuggets, they'll be a playoff contender. I'm not saying that they'll make the playoffs, but they'll still be a playoff contender. If you take Embiid off the Sixers, I don't think the Sixers will make the playoffs. I don't think they will make the playoffs. So those are my thoughts on NBA MVP. Everybody, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Everybody enjoy. 
the NCAA tournament this weekend. I'll be back on Monday discussing the latest in sports news. Have a great weekend, everybody. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.